0: And a gracious good day to you, friends Thank you once again for pushing play This is Fusebox, show number 13, Hell Chicken And uh, thanks, because there's a lot of places out there you could be And you're choosing to be here, so I appreciate that very much My name is Mark Rose, I am the host And you are now joining the audio festooning Already in progress right here Got some big things coming. I mean, a really big thing. That's right. As we uh, mentioned on uh, previous shows, billboarding this uh, hopefully entertaining <laughs> event after all this, <laughs> I'm going to be introducing a new uh, feature on this program, ongoing series called Timo's World, and the first episode of that. Will be later in this program So please stick around for that I don't think you'll be disappointed Well, you can be the judge of that But, in uh, keeping with that theme uh, For whom the bell tolls, huh? I don't know, man It, it doesn't look like it's letting up <laughs> I, You know, I, I, r- seriously I've. It's probably not a secret to anybody That this first part of the year has been the spin cycle in the celestial washing machine I just you know I know there's a lot of changes going on in people's lives in various ways all you know manifesting in a way that's unique for you and uh yeah it just it just doesn't seem to uh, to be changing I came to this weird realization the other day probably like you know the guy that realizes he's just drowning you know what I'm saying <laughs> I came to this realization the other day that uh, regardless of my uh, sincerest efforts on all of this and trying to create all sorts of things to uh, remedy various situations that are happening in in this particular life experience, I realized that at some point, it's not working. (laughs) These things are not fixing anything. No matter what I throw at it, it's not doing anything. And it kind of dawned on me the other day that, wait a minute, maybe it's not supposed to. You know? I mean, it's reasonable, right? I suppose. So maybe the message right now, and it's certainly not one I'm fond of, but maybe it is. Maybe we just go with it. Really? Yeah. Maybe we just take the ride. Because obviously whatever this ride is, it has a very specific destination and one that is not going to be changed by my actions. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm, you know, like trying to rearrange Mount Rushmore or something. I'm not, I'm not really going to do that. I, I could try, but it'd sure be silly. Very interesting time. I think I've mentioned it on an earlier show, but I, I have been informed by those who play in the celestial pool of life that um, back part of this year is supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, front part's pretty sucky, but back part's supposed to be like Carnival Mirror opposite. So let's hope they're right. And, and by the way, you know, along that same line of celestial this and that, you know, um, Frank Edward Nora, the host of The Overnightscape, made mention of this gentleman years ago. And I have been following him ever since Because he's uh, kind of an interesting guy The man's name is Rich Humbert And he has a a little website called Celestial Weather I'll have a link in the show notes to that And uh, he's an astrological kind of guy He puts it in such a way that it is more of an overview Of potential energies Things that might happen And what I like about his stuff is that he he tends to frame all of his astrological observations in a very uh, easy to understand and not really sign-dependent kind of forecast. So it doesn't matter that your rising sign is this or you, you got planets over there. It, it does That doesn't matter. It's more of a general forecast for what could happen during this uh, particular time. And uh, he's been pretty accurate, I think, in terms of just diagnosing energetic potential. One of the things that was explained to me years ago, and I think it's true, is that the astrological stuff, whether you b- believe it or not, it doesn't doesn't really matter. But th- the point is, when a person is born, there is a certain relationship in the sky of planets and configurations and all sorts of alignments and things that are going on. And if you take a snapshot of that, you realize that a person carries with them a certain set of uh, resonating nodes if you will, little little buttons in our in our <laughs> in our life that when certain things happen they resonate they could resonate in a very nice way and make us feel very happy or they could just well not be very pleasant have us running for the exits but they're very unique to individuals so it's not a Global thing in that way And you've seen this a million times If you've read any of these Astrological forecasts in the paper Today you will be carried off Into the jungle by a giant golem You will come
1: with me No, don't
0: touch me, no, no Well, no Maybe that guy But, you know, not necessarily Because everybody's got Something different going on And all of those relationships change There are certain patterns that happen That will trigger global events And You know, even though we hear a lot about this Mercury retrograde stuff and all that, uh, there's a lot to be said for the movement of planetary bodies and how that affects everything. Just look at the tides. I mean, that's just one planet. (laughs) The moon has a great deal of influence over how the water is playing around in here. You just figure that however many planets there are out there, when they're moving, things are changing. It really doesn't mean that they are going to somehow ordain a certain outcome for you. I think, frankly, being aware that there are certain influences and potentials for certain influences is very valuable. It kind of gives you a little insight into, well, wait a minute. Before we act on this, let's re-examine our position. So I think there's some validity to that. So I've enjoyed reading him. And, and like I said, there's a link in the show notes if you'd like more info about him and strange celestial energies. And speaking of strange...
2: (laughs) Was that another surrealist segue, man?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, sure, why not?
2: Spotlight on Phil.
0: So a little while ago, I stumbled across a note on this rather obscure little film, which uh, thankfully has not become obscure. It's uh, available now on Netflix. Uh, I read about this in the pages of some journal somewhere, and I can't even recall what it was now, but they were talking about the process that was involved in making this film, and the film is called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And uh, it is produced, directed, and written by Anna Lily Amarpour, she is of Iranian descent and uh, evidently is living here now. To call it a vampire film is, is sort of a, that doesn't really do its service, I, I don't think. I'm not going to go into great detail about what this film's all about, but I will tell you this. This thing is really marvelously done. Shot in a film noir style, black and white, cinematographer is a guy named Lyle Vincent, who I, I have not heard of. The story is very compelling about this, and she's only called the girl in the credits, who is quite definitely a uh, a child of the night, as they used to say. She's dressed in that traditional Iranian attire. What do they call it?
2: Um, I think it's called a hijab.
0: Right, 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 right. The actor is uh, Sheila Vond. She exhibits a certain quality that I've only seen recently in another film that came from... Um, Sweden a few years ago That was remade by the same director I think is Thomas Alfredson Let the right one in And most specifically his first version of that With the two kids There is an otherness about them that is I think uh, Remarkable And uh, uh, Sheila Vaughn's portrayal here Has that same quality It's a very haunted quality And no, there are no glittering vampires Anywhere in this movie Thank you. And just the idea that she went back to Iran to film this is no small task. And uh, evidently on the Kino DVD release, which also came out almost simultaneously here, this particular uh, set of extras has a bunch of stories relating to this production, which uh, I have not seen, but I can only imagine are are rather compelling. There are moments in this film that make you think you're watching a, a Godard film or... Fellini, there are some moments in there that remind me of Carl Dreyer's Vampire. It It's just really a marvelous film, honestly told and derivative where it wants to be, consciously. it's very. There's very definitely elements in it that are placed there for specific uh, reasons. So, uh, highly recommend it. It's on uh, Netflix right now, um, and uh, I know it's available everywhere. It's certainly on DVD from Kino, so... So I can recommend this highly uh, Check it out A girl walks home alone at night And uh, also this isn't a film per se But it's about a filmmaker And I, I would just want to alert everyone Put this on your radar in somewhere in the country Because the gentleman does tour uh, During the holiday season Brings his little merriment To uh, parts unknown John uh, <laughs> John Waters brings his holiday cheer to a performing arts space near you somewhere at some time and uh, he's been in Portland out here going on three times he's scheduled once again for December 1st out here I've seen him both times didn't know what to expect on the first one uh very well aware of John Waters work really actually like his stuff a lot didn't know what to expect from this and what I found is that it's 90 minutes of a very very funny Insightful and wonderfully engaging conversation You can't call it a stand-up act But uh, it's very funny <laughs> I will say that um, You will not be disappointed Irrespective of what you might think of John Waters' films You like them, you don't like them He is a person, though I really believe is sort of like a national treasure <laughs> I'm not sure if there's really a
2: Yeah, put him up on Mount Rushmore or something
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe a monument, you think? Maybe something? I don't know Um, But yeah Just uh, really engaging stuff And so it's usually Around the holiday season I know he takes The month of December Pretty much To do it It's a great show It's really great So uh, if he comes To your town And uh, I would just say Yeah It's the kind of Optional entertainment That you wouldn't Want to miss Even guardian angels Get fed up With their jobs
1: You see him? He's playing with a car battery, jumper cables, and a dildo. Wow. I say we let him die. Hmm. Huh. Yeah.
0: So it is no secret to anyone who has been listening to these programs over the uh, ensuing months that uh, I spent a fair amount of time in Florida before I relocated out here to the Pacific Northwest. And... uh I've had a couple of stories that I've just been sitting on. Well, I've been sitting on them. They're right over there near that guy in the jar. Can we hear that guy in the jar again? Yeah, that guy. Now, if you want more info on him, go back to episode called The Fifth Wall. Tell you all about the prairie squid. In, in listening to a recent show by uh, one of our colleagues here on the network, a gentleman by the name of Byron, he has a show called GunkCast, and uh, what what number? Uh, that would be GunkCast number 34. Ah, 30, 34. All right. So, uh, 34, and uh, he was relating the story of uh, a, a recent trip he took to Florida with his family, and uh, they were taking in all the theme parks and all that good stuff, and they went to Universal Studios as one of their destinations. They were uh, attempting to... Uh, take this particular ride where they were informed that, well, all the personal belongings they had needed to be stored someplace before they took this ride. On one level, that makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, people tend to carry a lot of stuff these days and um, backpacks and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, all right, I see. Yeah, that's fine. Do that. You don't want it flying off and hitting somebody in the head or whatever. All right, we get it. So he complied with that and thought it was okay and went over to the aforementioned locker area only to find out that apparently the way you access this device is through use of your fingerprint. Now, I don't know about you, but anytime anyone asks for that sort of information, you might as well also be giving them your credit card, social security number, and a host of other things, maybe even the keys to your house. Oh, yes, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of claims made about, well, this data is instantly removed after you've... uh, No, I don't think so It's kind of like anything like this This is a two-way conduit, ladies and gentlemen You're putting something in there that's not only held by the device But can also be disseminated I'm not a big fan of it, kind of creeped him out too And I thought, you know, this isn't the first time this has happened I would urge you to check out his full dissertation on this But it uh, reminded me of something that happened to me as a wee lad Visiting Disney World in the 1970s, uh, early 1970s. As a matter of fact, it uh, it may have been 72, 71, 72. When did it when did
2: it open? Um, looks like 1971. The place opened its doors. Yeah,
0: right, 71. So it was right around then, and uh, I was living there, of course, at the time. This was back in the day, folks, when. Um, There was a lot of uh, expression going on about alternative forms of culture, particularly those kinds of culture that broke the law. And what I'm saying here is that a lot of people wore uh, patches during the day that were protests of all sorts of things, just you name it, you know. And many of us, myself included, Although we kind of embraced the spirit of it, we probably didn't know what the true context was in a lot of cases. I was quite young at the time. So I had a pair of pants that had a patch uh, emblazoned on it. And I I want you to get an idea of where this was. (laughs) This patch, and then I'll tell you what the patch is. But this patch was located at the very base of the pant leg. Like right at the very fringe of the cuff Right there Ground level, right? So it's not something that was typically visible But it was one of these things that was kind of popular in the day You'd put one there In other places, of course But there And the patch I had Was uh, an image of a uh, red star in a circle With a marijuana leaf in the middle of it (laughs) Well, you know Being the impressionable youth of that time It was cool and radical and ooh And whether or not I truly believed in all of that stuff behind it I did believe that putting a person in prison Ashtray remnants You get 7,000 years Well, you know what I mean? It was a little bizarre So that was kind of like my protest to all that crazy stuff Friend I was with also had various... (laughs) statements like, that was just what you did, right? So uh, we're marching into the park there, and we you know, going around and just enjoying the place immensely because a lot of the stuff wasn't working yet, but the stuff that was working was quite fun and very very cutting-edge for the time, certainly. And uh, we're walking around, and, and I see out of the corner of my eye this guy making a beeline. He was very specifically coming in our direction. It wasn't random. It's very specific. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to picture this guy as... Deputy dog That's right A cartoon dog A bulldog specifically You know the type You're seeing him right now Wearing the badge And the sunglasses That are mirrored And kind of a pseudo Police-like uniform But you know it's security That kind of thing Right So he's making a beeline Over to the two of us And then uh, uh, it's clear he wants to speak. And so we turn around and he says, uh, excuse me. Excuse me
2: now. I'm I'm sure that that patch you're wearing on your trousers there is not of an offensive nature to you. But I do believe it might be of an offensive nature to the people attending this park. I'm going to have to ask you to accompany me to the holding area so we can remove. What the hell sort of
0: fascistic information is that? Who the hell made this guy the arbiter of everybody's taste in the park? Was my first thought (laughs) My second thought was He's really big (laughs) And uh, I paid money to get in here And so, unfortunately, I found myself compelled to return to the holding area to remove this patch with a little pair of scissors that I snipped this uh, evil, horribly dreadful and counter-inspiring piece of fabric from my pants because it, by its very nature, was going to pollute all of the precious bodily fluids of anyone attending that park so I had to remove that. Years later, I realized, <laughs> if that had happened now, I would have had the ACLU down on that place so fast that it would have made their head spin. Like the freaking Mad Hatter's ride. So anyway, he didn't confiscate the patch, thankfully. I was able to keep that. But uh, we left the holding area and uh, pick up where we left off and see some other sites. Still fuming at this particular thing. But, Nonetheless, here we were, and we were going to get our money's worth. And uh, as I'm exiting there, a uh, a young woman, she's I would say she's 18, maybe 19 years old, walks by with a patch sewn um, in the basic posterior area over a particular part of the posterior area. And I don't mean a pocket. Kind of in the center of the pockets, if you know what I mean. On that patch states very clearly... Lick my decals off, baby <laughs> Which was a popular slogan of the time And I can't remember who said it. it may have been Captain Beefheart I don't know But whatever it was There it was And my friend and I just sort of noticed that <laughs> for For not the obvious reasons And said Wait a minute This isn't right But also realized that we'd be bringing someone else into this unfortunate incident that really didn't need to be included in this way. But the message, I think, that we both got from that was uh, very contrary to the certain belief systems that were flying around at the time, and that being that discrimination can be of any kind to any gender at any moment, for no reason at all. And this was one. The reputation that this particular place has had is legendary, ladies and gentlemen. One of the craziest things about Walt Disney World, and I'm not getting off on a rant with these guys, but I got to just mention this, is that the guy who came up with this idea, Uncle Walt, he couldn't even work in his own park. Why is that, you ask? Because of the ridiculous requirement that employees have no facial hair.
2: Probably explain why you don't see a lot of Amish people working at (laughs) the house,
0: huh? Yeah, very likely. And and maybe a a few other orthodoxies, (laughs) you know. I don't know about you, but that's just a little weird to me. I mean, if they're working in a clean room, I can kind of understand that. It does speak to the rather bizarre ultra cleanliness of the place a little too squeaky clean you know what i mean <laughs> As a matter of fact if you ever got the tour of the, of the underbelly of that which we did once um it's quite an amazing thing you never see trash going out of that place it's just quite amazing but you know that's the kind of weirdness that would that just and for all i know a lot of that is still going on i don't know about the facial hair thing i, I suspect that's probably been relaxed which leads me to the other strange florida-based phenomenon which i've never seen demonstrated at least not this way in any other place i've ever been i call it the florida con and no it's not about conventions it's a particular scam that's played on people by what appears to be ultimately inept con people now here's the thing you got to understand about that particular part of the world i firmly believe Because I think I've met most of them (laughs) I firmly believe that any con person Who is or is about to become one Has drifted through Florida at one point All of them This is where I guess, you know It's kind of like open mic night at a comedy club All the con folks go down there To kind of figure out their bits To figure out how they're going to make it work Very few of those guys ever go on to the big time though couple of them have tried. And this is the phenomenon I, I, I'm fascinated by. Because while I was living there those years, as you might imagine, working in this particular industry, which is, you know, quasi-entertainment, I encountered quite a few because I have an audio production facility and I'd get all kinds of people coming in there. On multiple occasions, I had some amazing <clears throat> uh, experiences. Normally, they would go like this. The person would come in Uh, gender not specific, by the way, would come in and then um, be interested in doing something, have a very large project in mind, and uh, then would purport to have all these support materials that were very impressive on the surface. For instance, a very big stock portfolio of this holding company they were part of, and they had all these interests in uh, various entertainment properties, and they were doing all their editing at the Disney Studios and all of this stuff, which for the most part, could be documented. You could see that. They would start to develop a project, and they would pay for it for a while. Things would get paid for, definitely, to a point. And then, somewhere along the line, the scam would get really, really big. And in one instance, I remember a gentleman who purported to actually work for the NSA, who secretly was doing all of this entertainment stuff to cover his actual activities with said organization. Because said organization was opening up this enormous building somewhere downtown, unbeknownst to people in this area, and he wanted me and some of my colleagues to also be part of this amazing entertainment establishment. I see. Well, after, you know, showing certain identification purporting to be from said organization, which, upon examination, you really wonder, guys, really? How much does it cost to laminate a piece of plastic? I don't know. Anybody can get a lanyard. You know what I'm saying? So what ultimately happens on these deals and why I call it the Florida con is in most cases in a a con, even halfway executed, somebody is going to lose something. Okay? The person they're going after is going to lose some money. Con guy may get out, just squeak under the door before the law gets there, whatever. In this particular event, Nobody gets anything. The con man doesn't get anything. You don't lose anything because you don't believe him. And then they just sort of throw up their arms and disappear into the night. And that's it. And it's repeated over and over and over again. It's amazing. The stories get more elaborate and the parties involved get bigger and more impressive. And and it still results in nothing. It never Goes anywhere Which on one level is, you know, we're all thankful for that But it is amazing to me how many times this thing gets enacted And now, God only knows I mean, I can only imagine what the potential for it is now Since being out here, I haven't encountered it Which is another thing <laughs> Prosecution rests Gotta say, these are really impressive props they use To get you to believe this Which is, you know, how most con games, how they work You know, they, they have to impress you with something In the end, it's just a lot of hot air. Speaking of cons, so, uh, you know, I wake up this morning. And I uh, go down to attempt the coffee ritual. And uh, back behind the refrigerator, I hear odd noises, not coming from the refrigerator. Well, it appears that our Japanese pocket squirrels were trying to transmit to some unknown entity. I don't know what they're doing. It has us alarmed, though. Because, as you know, they've already tried the whole podcasting
2: thing.
1: <laughs>
0: I do know I have to watch them closely. And now, the big event. Yes, a very big event. This is the first installment of our new series that we're going to be um, unleashing on the unsuspecting. Uh, That would be you. A series called Timo's World, where our hero, Timo, has to endure life's surprises. And he's going to uh, endure one here. (laughs) And hopefully so will you. As Timo buys a suit...
2: Timo's World mm. Timo Timo wants a new suit. Mm. day, my fine sir. Welcome to the gentleman's storehouse. I'm the humble proprietor, Stiles Bitchley. How may I be of service to you on this glorious morning? A suit. A suit. Ah, excellent. Sir is in need of a fine new suit. Yes, yes, right this way, my dear sir. The Gentleman's Storehouse offers handmade suits crafted by my own hand and made of the absolute finest materials imported from all over the world. Italian silks, beautiful Belgian linens, exquisite Egyptian cottons, Tibetan cashmere, tweed, Flannel, and a wonderfully glorious assortment of positively lovely, lovely blends. Mm. Might, sir, be interested in a nice herringbone.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Or perhaps a lovely seersucker. Mm. Or, if I may, sir, might I suggest a durable yet stylish tweed for a man of your... Uh, let us say generous proportions hmm? indeed sir quite right quite right <clears throat> now then shall we uh, measure you sir please step right up here and uh, if sir will so kindly face the mirror i shall jot down your measurements smartly <clears throat> There you are, sir. Lovely, lovely. Ah, yes, well, you are indeed a well-proportioned gentleman, sir, I must say. Let me just bring over the stepladder here so that I may uh, reach you. Yes, indeed. There we are now. Much better, yes. Now then, let us begin with the neck and work our way down. Shall we? Mm. Yes, quite. Mm. Neck, Mm. 42 inches. (laughs) My goodness, sir, you are certainly very generously proportioned, I must say. Mm -hmm. Sleeves, 99 inches. All righty, then. Chest, um, pardon But would, sir, be so kind as to hold the end of the tape here while I move around to the other side so that I may take your chest measurement? Mm -hmm. Yes, there we are now. Uh, Chest, uh, 157 inches. My, my, my. Allow me to say again, sir, you most certainly are a generously proportioned... uh, uh, strapping gentleman. Generously proportioned indeed. Quite, quite. Now then, let us just measure the inseam. Does sir dress left or right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Sir, 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 I just... No, no, sir. I just need to measure your inseam here, if I may, sir. Mm -hmm. Up to Oh dear No Oh dear Consor! Treasure! No, no, sir, if put me on Oh! Oh! Oh my sir! S- sir, Oh no, please! Please oh. go! Oh, oh heavens, the Sergeant Pepper. Oh, <coughs> sir, please, no, oh. oh, well, no matter, sir. A, a, a spot of glue here and there, and oh, no, oh, 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 oh Oh, the
1: humanity! Ugh.
2: Your suit will be ready Friday, sir. Uh, please come again.
0: Now, if you've ever experienced that particular measurement exercise, you know exactly what we're talking about. Next time, breaking up with Timo. So, there you go.
1: Stay tuned. Summer's here. Time to enjoy the great outdoors.
2: Oh, I hate this! I hate
1: You've tried swatting smelly candles and zappers, but the bugs are still there You've sprayed yourself with bug repellents even the extra strength and deep woods products But they're just not strong enough the bugs are still there Well get ready to say goodbye to bugs forever now from the makers of off comes fuck off unlike regular off Fuck Off is made from scientifically extracted insect pheromones, then merged with plutonium-R isotopes that kill the bugs immediately with massive amounts of radiation. Pests won't even be able to fly straight when they get close to you and start to burn. The scientific formula sends a strong message to bugs, a message they understand. Fuck Off! Simply spray on and around your body and watch how fast you can turn a nasty swarm into a glowing cloud of spontaneous combustion. Antennas everywhere. It's fun for the kids. So send bugs a message they won't forget. Fuck off. Fuck off is a class three isotope gamma accelerator and should not be used near birds. Do not inhale or consume. Only use product within the printed one month shelf life as container may be weakened. Do not confuse printed one month shelf life with products 500 year half life. Some glowing is normal with use. Llamas may be attracted to this product and can froth, become agitated and dangerous. Thanks, fuck off.
0: Yeah, well, they say summer's just around the corner and down some steps out here in the Pacific Northwest. Summer usually uh, commences on July 4th or thereabouts, at least it seems to. It has for uh, many years been tied to the Waterfront Blues Festival that is held out here every year. And that's a really fun event to attend as well as it benefits the uh, Oregon Food Bank which does some tremendous work out here. and um, Oh, yeah. Been some amazing acts there, man.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. There really, there really has. Um, and I guess the, the, the one that comes to mind for me is the, uh, the festival that was held just after Katrina. May have been the, the year after. We had several refugees of the New Orleans ordeal actually end up living here after spending some quality, albeit circumstantially mandated, time here I recall <laughs> a very fiery performance from dr. John and Walter Trout and people like that there saxophonist Reggie Houston for those who are jazz aficionados he lives here now but that was quite a quite a thing. a lot of anger got channeled into the appropriate areas with a crowd that was very much ready <laughs> to support it. And uh yeah, so that's been a really that's been a real interesting thing. So, you know, summertime's coming, so be sure to get some of that aerosol, because you never know. We might try carrying off one of your kids, too. I've been looking for a place to play this next selection for quite some time, and there is no better place than a show called Hell Chicken. Um, this is a piece from uh, an yet another collection of things Coming out very shortly By a guy named Kyle Gaust And uh, the project is called Transcription This is a track off that collection That is uh, actually named for a a. Uh, if I'm not mistaken This came from a, a series of books about piano technique I think there is uh, one or two or maybe several that have this title, and that title is The School of Velocity. Kreil Gaust from Transcription. the end of that sloshiness, I am going to goose-step my way out of here. And uh, thank you once again for pushing play on this episode of Fusebox. This has been show number 13, Lucky 13, entitled Hell Chicken. Next time, I'm going to feature uh, an interview I did with two other colleagues in the audio theater world, Yes, two people also poisoned by that same bug. I don't know what it is, but we'll explore that. Joe Medina and Jamie Lawson, who uh, have a company called Oline Productions, and they have been uh, producing a series called After Hell for quite some time. There's some fun stuff in there, particularly the, the path they had to travel to get to this particular <laughs> audio theater expression, as they say. But, um, yeah, I think you'll find that fun. Other things yet to be unearthed. So until next time, dear friends, thank you once again, and until our next cartoon…